Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Cold open because the normal uh, release day for Dear Hank and John, it came and went. And you were like, what happened? And we were like, what happened too? Well, it turns out I sent Tuna a file that was a total of one second long. And then we had to go through a whole bunch of work. Thank you to somebody on Twitter who helped me with, the, with, with a little bit of tech support to extract the file from GarageBand and... The episode is saved. But I also wanted to tell you that the subscription window for the Awesome Socks Club is open now and will be closing on November 14th. The Awesome Socks Club is an opportunity to get a delightful pair of socks delivered to you once every month, designed by a different independent artist. We work really hard to make these socks really lovely. We now have both ankle socks and crew socks. And also, 100% of the profit goes to charity. It goes to decrease maternal and child mortality in Sierra Leone because here's the situation. You're going to have to buy socks from someone. And is that somebody going to be some stranger who's going to get the profit? Or is it going to be in a way where 100% of the profit gets donated to charity? It's a really lovely experience once a month. You just get to be happy. You can cancel anytime. Shipping is free. It's at awesomesocks.club. And if you go to awesomesocks.club slash DHJ, dear Hank and John, DHJ, I just wanted to make it short for you. You'll get $5 off your first month. That's a deal. It's a deal. So go to awesomesocks.club slash DHJ right now. While you're listening to us, have a spooky, extra spooky episode uh, and also not know what the future holds for Twitter.com, though you know that future, but we in the past did not. Anyway, awesomesocks.club slash DHJ. Let's continue with the podcast. Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, did you know that in Florida, alligators can grow up to 26 feet? Is this a Halloween joke or is this a socks club joke? That means they have to get 13 subscriptions to the awesome socks club. <laughs> I should have seen it coming. Can alligators really grow up to 26 feet or did you make that up? Uh, like in length? Yeah. I just picked a number. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, that seems way too long. Uh, because I, I've seen the world's largest alligator. 
And I don't think it was 26 feet long. You have also seen the world's largest alligator. It surfaced directly next to our canoe in childhood. (laughs) Do you remember this? I do remember that. Yes, I don't think it was. The longest, the the Florida state record for a crocodile is 10 feet or 14 feet. So they only need- a crocodile? Well, no, that can't be. I I don't know why I said crocodile, John. I meant alligator. Yeah, I'm offended as a Floridian. <laughs> and very rarely do I identify as a Floridian, let alone get offended. I think as there's got to be a bigger alligator than that. So the Awesome Socks Club is taking memberships now. AwesomeSocksClub.com nope. is the URL. No, Hank, it is the URL. Well, that's one, that- of, that's one of them. Yes, for, for an amazing reason. The reason AwesomeSocksClub.com is the URL is because... A fan of ours, Buck, noticed that it was redirecting to an unsavory site, awesomesocksclub.com. And so he bought the URL and gave it to the Awesome Socks Club. 100% of the proceeds go to support stronger healthcare systems in impoverished communities. You can learn more at awesomesocks.club or awesomesocksclub.com. Also, we have two announcements. One, it's Halloween. No, they're It's Halloween. They're sock related announcements. There are two sock things that we're doing. I don't even know if you know about this, John. Great. One, we're doing ankle socks. So you can choose between the socks mm. that go up high and the socks that stay down low. A lot yeah. of people were like, we want those socks that stay down low. And we listened. That's what they always say. We were right. listening to our customers. We heard you. We heard you. You said that you are dishappy. Liking the lack of a dislike button. <laughs> we we can't bring the dislike button back, but we can make shorter socks. And so we've done that, and I've put them on my foot, and they're nice. I like them. Great. Great. Uh, it's not for me. I feel rather scandalous having that much of my ankle out. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely want the lower calf socks. Yeah. But, uh, but for many people, this is the ideal sock. And second... We are now shipping out of the European Union, which means that you can get the Awesome Socks Club in Europe and not have to worry about weird customs charges. Hooray! Hooray! You, That's if great. You sign Hank. up and in Europe, they will they will ship from the Netherlands. So it's Halloween. We're going to shift Halloween. to the part of the podcast where we answer questions from our listeners, and we're trying to focus this week on some spooky questions, oh, some fear based, spooky, spooky. spooky. Questions. Although our producer Rosiana wrote, I tried to focus on questions about fear, but then I realized that almost all questions are about fear. (laughs) (laughs) Except for questions about socks, which is just be delighted once a month for getting a delightful pair of socks. (laughs) Yeah, that's not fear based. Arriving just like to make you happy once a month from a different independent artist. Maybe we should make it fear-based. If I've learned anything from American politics, it's to make things fear-based. Like, do you know what will happen to your naked feet if you don't become an Awesome Socks Club subscriber? It will be brutal. It's horrid out there. It's a a terrible world for feet specifically. And and, and our socks will make it so that you are not socially ostracized by your in-group. Do you want to feel part of a of an affinity community? If so, <laughs> I mean, never actually, never feel alone again at awesomesocks.club. One of my favorite things about the socks is that when I see people wearing the socks, I can be like, "Hey," and I point them to my socks and then they're like, "Hey." Yeah, I know. It's great. It really I was I just I just spoke at Harvard not to brag and 
one of the students I met with before my talk, you know, like did the did the subtle pants leg raise, and they were mm-hmm. like, "Eh," and I was <laughs> like, "I got my I got mine on too." <laughs> Don't be caught without them. All right, this first question comes from Alicia, who writes, "Dear John and Hank, I know we talk a lot about how human life expectancy has gone up in recent years." It's gone up so much, and not just in recent years. Um, in fact, in recent years, it hasn't gone up as much. I'm curious, is this because we just managed to stop dying of disease and starvation so much, or were people actually dying of old age at 30? Always aging, Alicia. Alicia, you've asked my favorite question. Thank you for allowing John me to we'll talk about it step up forever. onto my soapbox. Can I tell you what I think? Tell me what you think. People did, it was not like, so there's two different things. There's life expectancy and there's lifespan. Yep. So yep. lifespan well, is like how well I'm just go, I'm going I'm not saying I know what I'm talking about. I'm just talking. Great. So there's a, there's an amount there's like a length of time that a human can live which is uh-huh. based on a number of things, but one of the big ones is pure dumb luck. Uh so so you can be in a society where like the average person dies at 50 and someone makes it to 90 just because they didn't get hit by as many trucks or trains, or wagons, or whatever people got hit by back in the day. Right. Uh, sort of. That's, and But, like, people that's, always lived a long time, but they just, like, the things that could get them along the way, they had to be luckier to get that far. That's largely correct. So, for a long time, like, when I was a kid, I was taught that basically old age was 40 in the old days. Like the old days were never quite Mm -hmm. defined, but that was the definition of old age. Like if you lived to be 40, it was some kind of miracle. Right. And that's not true, but the, um, the sort of popular belief that has replaced it is equally untrue, which is that if you survived to the age of five or 10, you were likely to live a long life. Like you were likely to live to 70 or 80. And neither of those is quite the truth. So the main reason life expectancy was actually below 30 for all of human history until the last couple hundred years was because of incredibly high rates of child mortality, probably over 50 Mm percent. And so, for instance, from what we can tell in Iron Age France, life expectancy was probably close to 10 or 12. Oh, God. Because- your chances of dying before the age of 10 were probably significantly above 50%, but certainly not much lower than 50%. Mm -hmm. And so that is the main reason life expectancy was low. And if you lived to to adulthood, you had a reasonable expectation of living to be 60 or 70 or 80. Mm -hmm. However, it is also untrue to say that life expectancy has not changed since... 1800 for 10 year olds. It has changed right. a lot. Like, even if you survive childhood, life expectancy has gone way up. One of the main reasons it's gone way up is that uh, until 200 years ago, for, from like 1700 to 1800, around a quarter of all people died of tuberculosis. And <laughs> they died of tuberculosis generally in their 20s or 30s. And so that that was a huge strain on life expectancy. Yeah. You know the guy who developed blood transfusions? Yeah. He was experimenting on himself and he 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 was trying to figure it all out. And and like they didn't know about blood types. So he was rolling the dice a lot. Yeah. Uh but he he died probably because he took uh blood from a person who he knew had tuberculosis 
Wow. And put it into his own body. Well, he, he probably didn't know that tuberculosis was well an infectious condition. Yeah, exactly. He did not. Well, it was believed to be inherited by a lot of people. Somebody actually, a listener to this podcast, recently sent me a fascinating, fascinating uh, data set and presentation about the debate over whether tuberculosis mm. was inherited or infectious. And it it totally makes sense that people thought it was inherited. Like, why else did all the Bronte sisters die of tuberculosis? Mm -hmm. But like, you know, somebody living two doors over, uh, that family never got tuberculosis. It was it was a weird and remains a really weird disease. So anyway, it's both that we've gotten better at treating diseases and healthcare has gotten better, and that we have gotten vastly better at. Uh, preventing child mortality, although it's still much too high. It's all it's all of those things, and even it continues to be like people are living longer now on average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, like even in the, in the '60s in America, because of like better treatments for cancer and heart disease. Yeah, that's it. That's a, you know, like stuff that stuff that like we've been alive to see happen. Absolutely. I mean, child mortality globally has fallen by more than fifty percent since I graduated from high school. Yeah. So the, these are these are big changes. And globally, despite the challenges of COVID and the setbacks associated with it, which aren't limited to COVID, life expectancy has continued to increase over the last three years. And, and, and long may that continue. This next question comes from Diana, who asks, Dear Hank and John, but mostly Hank, probably, what happens to a human body if it gets buried on the moon? <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. Some someday soon we'll be having people living on the moon, so probably they will die on the moon. I'm guessing there aren't all the usual creepy crawly things that help decompose bodies on Earth, and no oxygen to help out all those icky processes. So does the body just hang around like normal, like forever? Hmm. A woman wondering, but not a Wonder Woman, Diana. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. Hank. Yeah. Is it a is it a mummy situation? It's a mummy situation. Um, it depends. It depends what you do. What kind of mummy situation you get yourself into. So, if if the body was just on the surface, it would very quickly dehydrate and it would become like very much a, that kind of mummy. Um, but I think there's probably a depth you can get it at where it's far enough outside of the sunlight that it's going to freeze before. It has a chance for all that water to get to to get out, mm. and so it'll be down there. It'll be hard for the water to get out, so you'll just be a frozen body popsicle. Mm -hmm. But in either case, it's going to be either too dry or too cold. Um, so if you're in the sunlight, you can stay warm, but you will lose all your water. If you're buried, you'll be too cold, and you'll keep your water. But either way, the microbes will not be able to do their microbe thing because they will either be dead and desiccated or frozen and waiting for some future where they would get warmed up. All right. So either way, though, it would be bad. Just to be clear, you don't you don't want to die on the moon. You want to die here. Well, I mean, it's equally bad no. for me. No, no, no. It's way. How are you going to get buried at Crown Hill? There is no Crown Hill on the moon yet. <laughs> well, I don't want to be. You, it's, it's up to you, John. The whole joy of being buried at Crown Hill is getting to join all of the people whose tombstones I've walked past low these many years. If I just die on the moon, I'll be dying with strangers. Here's what we're going to do, John. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go with a, a, a coring rod. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to core every gravesite in Crown Hill. 
and then we're going to move just the like bits of the core that went through the part where the coffin was. Oh, wow. And we're going to take those all up to the all moon. The, the, we're going to recreate yeah. Crown Hill yeah. on the moon. And then all future vice presidents have to go to the moon before they die. That's the wow. Moon. Wow. Once you're you know, not a vice president anymore, you go to the moon. That, it's like, we, we don't trust you to be here on Earth getting involved in our business. You're a vice president. You can get up to all kinds of nonsense. Just go to the moon. The vice president of America, after leaving office, automatically becomes the vice president of the moon. But there's a bunch of vice presidents of the moon. Right. They all and they don't have any by, by committee. It's, <laughs> it's a purely symbolic role. It's like it's like being the Duke oh, okay. of Wellington or whatever. Like the monarchy. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I love I love that idea. And also, I think the idea of moving 80,000 coffins to the moon is just it's the kind of thing a billionaire would love. Like that's the most inefficient use of capital since Elon Musk tried to buy Twitter. <laughs> I mean, John, by the time this podcast comes out, the deadline will have passed. And so we will actually know whether or not that happened. So to all of you in the future, uh <laughs> Honestly, right now, we're not even thinking about it. It doesn't seem that important anymore, but it will, I'm sure it will then. It will totally seem important. I mean, it's it's the best way I've ever heard of to turn $44 billion into $0. I mean, like, less than $0 because it's like you just bought something really annoying. It's like it's yeah. like buying a buying a forty four billion dollar rooster and putting it in a, in a cage in your house and you can't get rid of it and just <laughs> it doesn't doesn't even lay eggs. No, it just does nothing but scream. It's upset. It's sexually frustrated. It's angry. It's imprisoned. Yeah, it's in a permanent state of outrage. It cannot believe the horror, the existential horror of its situation. And you know what's funny? You agree. Everyone's on the same page. You are completely empathetic to the rooster's position of like, I don't want to be here. Why am I here? No this is weird and here. unpleasant. No, nobody wanted this rooster. Nobody like woke up in the morning in 2006 and said, I think I'll create a situation in which a human has to cohabitate with a miserable rooster. And yet, and yet we can't find a way out of the bind, rooster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the, the strange thing is that every morning I wake up and I turn on the rooster. <laughs> the first thing, the first thing I do each morning is check to see what, what the rooster crowed overnight. Yeah. What does the, what does the rooster have to yell at me right now? Well, the, the great thing about this analogy is that in the analogy, I am equally the person who is confused to be living with a rooster, and I am the rooster who is confused to be living with a person. I am both people. Yeah. Like I get on, I get on Twitter, right, but and I and I crow all kinds of all kinds of panicked outrage. And then I mm -hmm. look at other roosters and I'm like, why are they crowing so much? Why can't they <laughs> why can't they just be quiet? I, but at least I am wise enough to know that I don't want to own all of the roosters. <laughs> like I don't I don't I don't think it would be better if only I was in control of the roosters. <laughs> You know, like, like right, it would exactly. If I was, the, I know if I how was, to fix this problem. If I was the dictator of this rooster farm, <laughs> the would world really would not it. be better. <laughs> 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 that 
that's what exactly he was like i really i want to pay 44 billion dollars to be the dictator of the world's largest rooster farm and like what a bad deal once again they don't lay eggs it's not a farm john it's a community it's a community of roosters and none of them are happy they all choose to be there But, but that's right. They wake up in the morning and they leave their like comfortable rooster lives to live that's inside right. of like a tiny miserable rooster fence. All, all inside of, of Elon Musk's house. Like it's so bad. Don't do that. I don't know. I might not. I might. It might be difficult. I mean, I have not thought hard about this because I don't. I don't know whether or not it's the thing. But I don't know how I will feel about uh, about. I guess I will. Ha- I, it will not be about my my supposition is it will not be about who owns Twitter. It will be about how the, that that per- that person's decisions impact the uh, the experience and how I how I think that it is affecting me in the world. And so I will just I guess have to see. But I don't I don't know. I don't think that I am being well served by Twitter. Yeah. Being a part of my life. No, one of the weirdest things about Twitter is that everybody on Twitter knows how terrible it is, right? Like, Twitter is a huge problem. TikTok, on the other hand, that's going to solve all our problems. (laughs) No issues at all. I love, every time I believe this, though, Hank, like, every time I'm like, this one solved the major issues. And then about six months in, I'm like, no, Be Real has its own problems. Well, oh, really? Be Real has its own problems? Sure. I, that, that one did seem like it would, would mostly be okay. Oh, no. I haven't used it. It's got its own okay. issues. All right. Well, I don't need to know about it. Uh, here's, here's in, in reality, oh, like, fun, fun time over. No more new rooster fun. God, that was I great. That, Why don't we go back to the bit? I think that we solve a lot of problems, uh, and then in the process of solving them, we create a lot of problems. And I think that there is obviously value being delivered to me and others by social media platforms or else we would not uh, use them. Now, is that value uh, commensurate with its costs? I don't know. Is it, especially when we look at the costs uh, on society as a whole? I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people, different people have a lot of different theories about why we are where we are. And I think that's probably not just Twitter. (laughs) No. I got one of the emails we got this week was from somebody who is like, hey, I'm listening to old episodes of the podcast. And I noticed that uh, John made not being on Twitter his entire personality for about a year and a half. (laughs) Why why is he on Twitter again? And to that, I can only Mm. say what you don't seem to understand is that I am a rooster. (laughs) And every morning (laughs) I, I wake up and for reasons that are mysterious to me, I begin crowing Mm -hmm. and and I Mm -hmm. cannot stop. (laughs) Now we can move on to the next question. This question is from Mary Beth, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm wondering where in the world I could live that would be farthest away from any venomous creature. (laughs) Not Antarctica. That would not really be viable for me. Is there anywhere else where I can live without fear of venomous creatures? I guess I'm not so concerned about poisonous things, though if I think too much about it, maybe I should be. Yeah. Watchful and waiting, Mary Beth. Mm -hmm. So poisonous things are things that hurt you when you eat them. Venomous things are things that hurt you when they bite you. Right. uh, Just for clarity. Right. And Or stab you otherwise. Poisonous things, it feels more like a mistake or a choice, whereas venomous things feels like you have a complete lack of agency. Yeah, just in your bed one morning. 
And I think the lack of agency is a big part of what freaks us out. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of all fears. This is this is why we are constantly trying to uh, impose thoughts of agency onto our our uh, lives, which when we do not have them, but we like to impose them. Right. So my, this question reminds me of when my daughter was younger and we would be like, where would you like to go visit? And she would be like, well, not Hawaii. Yeah. And I would be like, well, Hawaii's great. And she would say, yeah, but the volcanoes. And also, I don't want to go to California because of the earthquakes. And I don't want to go to Florida or the entire East Coast because of the hurricanes. And at some point, Mm -hmm. Indiana starts to look pretty darn good. (laughs) 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 Suddenly, you're like, hey, do I live in the best place? (laughs) There's no fire season like there is in Missoula. Mm-hmm. It's not bad here. But anyway, Hank, is and by the way, relatively few venomous creatures, very few venomous snakes. Nice. No scorpions that I know of. I feel like we don't have tarantulas. Well. I think the answer could be Indiana. It's not. But I'm sure that you're doing no. great on the list. But Deboki did a bunch of work. And Deboki okay, has, what's the has come up with a place that does not have mosquitoes. Mm. It does not have ticks. It does not have snakes. Whoa. Oh. Uh, any venomous snakes of any kind. Wow. And this place is a lovely place that you have been to. Yeah. And that many people like to visit. Oh. But that does experience a fair uh, amount of inclement weather. It is Iceland. Iceland. Yeah. The home of the world's greatest hot dog and the fewest venomous animals. I was I was shocked. I was like, no mosquitoes everywhere has mosquitoes. But apparently the Iceland. the uh the way that they're Well, to be fair. <laughs> what? It is <laughs> the fact that you were I was not I'm not surprised to where they don't have mosquitoes because when I visited there in August and the tour guide in without a trace of irony said it, in their sweet Icelandic accent, as you can see, Iceland should be called Greenland and Greenland should be called Iceland because, as you can see, the weather here is quite nice as the, like, 40-degree <laughs> yeah. temperature was made well below freezing by a 50-mile-an-hour wind <laughs> that was causing rain to hit us at completely horizontally. Like, it, it appeared that the rain was coming from the ground. And... <laughs> This woman's face was being like completely distorted, like like a hundred meter runner going thirty miles an hour or whatever, and with with absolutely no self awareness, was talking about how great the weather is in Iceland. <laughs> well, apparently, it's not just that it's uh, cold; it is so. Th- although it is, it, although it is, but in like Alaska, for example, lots, lots of mosquitoes, lots of world mosquitoes. capital of mosquitoes. So it, it it is that they have several large freeze thaw cycles throughout one year. Mm. So what what when mosquitoes like happen to find themselves in Iceland, they it gets cold, they lay their eggs, and then uh, and then it gets warm and the eggs hatch, and then it gets very it's like it gets extremely cold again. Yeah, yeah. There's like one of those August freezes. Yeah, they've never been able to figure out the weird freeze thaw cycle of Iceland, and so it doesn't have mosquitoes, which sounds lovely to me. Um, and Iceland seems quite nice. I they, loved it. I think it'd be a tricky language to learn, and but you know, there's 300,000 of them, uh, so you could basically hang out with everybody. 
Yeah, I feel like you can get by in English, but I, I it would probably become an impediment to intimacy at some point. Yeah, to to close friendships. Right. So world's greatest hot dogs, no mosquitoes. Not bad. Not bad. This next question comes from Radu, who writes, Dear John and Hank, how do we know that knocking an asteroid, as NASA's dark mission recently did, would for sure make the collision with Earth less likely? <laughs> like, due to the huge distances involved, surely we don't know 100% if and where the asteroid would hit us, only probabilities. Isn't there a chance that had we not messed with it, it would have scraped by, but because of the intervention, the <laughs> asteroid would hit the Earth full on? Without further... Radu, I think that this is the best way, narratively, mm -hmm. for human for humanity to end. <laughs> <laughs> we calculated that there was a ninety eight percent chance that this was going to save all humans and a two percent chance that it was going to kill everybody, and we took the gamble because it was the you right choice. Got to roll choice. the dice. Got to roll we the made dice. The, like we made the objectively right choice, but sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes you roll two ones in a row. Sometimes the house loses, you know? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so is there, is this a possibility, Hank? Because obviously I love humans. I think we are profoundly underrated species, but we are going to go out at some point and this would be a hell of a way to go out. <laughs> uh, so we do know, well, first of all, this this particular, the DART mission in particular, was designed to understand this better. So the DART mission was not designed to protect us from an asteroid. That asteroid was never going to hit us. It's still never going to hit us. It, what we wanted to hit an asteroid with something and see how much its direction changed. We know the mass of the DART probe. We know how fast it was going. We know roughly the mass of this asteroid. Um, and we know where where it would have gone. But we don't know how it's going to respond to being hit by a thing because asteroids are like they're still a bit of a mystery. They're made of like sometimes they're like a pretty loosely like held together pile of rubble. That's just like the gravity and electrostatic forces are making it stick together. But like, is there something strong and hard deep inside or is it just like loosely held together rubble all the way through? Those things behave differently in different simulations. So you want to try it out. Just do a real life mission and see if it works. And that's what the mission was designed to do. But and 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 is there something strong and hard deep inside? We don't know yet. The the data is yet to come. <laughs> You're not making it easier. <laughs> so but we are aware that this that this asteroid, like there is some variance. Uh, it's not 100%, but we have a really good idea of where things in space are heading because there isn't that much that changes their direction. It's not like they're in an atmosphere where the wind is blowing a different way every moment. There are some gravitational thing like effects out there that that are going to have very small impacts. Um, and at a very long distance, that matters. But as they get closer, we have a really good idea of where these things are going to head. And we do know that like uh, that nudging them could like would decrease the odds at the same time even going very fast an object the size of dart which is not very big isn't going to have a huge impact on the direction an asteroid is going but we do want to have a better idea of how that uh is going to be affected so that's why we did the mission and and we're still waiting to see how like how much it did change the trajectory of the asteroid mm. but we're not in any imminent danger 
of a asteroid apocalypse. No, in fact, we are um, we are in less danger right now than uh, any moment so far in human history. In that, we now know where all the big asteroids are. Right. Are, so we are, we were we're, the, we're in the same level of like uh, of of danger. We just didn't know. Now we know that we're not in any danger. Follow up question: In terms of non asteroid apocalypses, where are we? Well, in terms of from space, comets no, are a whole different no, story, no, and and, not... co- and could and could be a bigger could be a bigger deal because oh. they they come kind of out of nowhere. Oh, great! Uh, Thanks some, for that some, because they're so much farther away. Sure. And, it, and uh, it... but then in terms of uh, various other n- non space related yeah. apocalypses, so things, like, things I, inside the atmosphere. Where's your vibe for that? Yeah, yeah. You know, like. Uh, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about um, humans, but le- less about um, any individual institution these days than I was once. Right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things. A lot of things felt really solid there for a long things time. Felt so solid uh, in my life, and and it does feel it does feel a little bit um, a little bit more up in the air at the moment. You would wake up in the morning and you would get out of bed, and there the floor would be, and you would be like, oh, just like always, there's the floor. And then, um, as Emily Dickinson put it, a plank in reason broke and I dropped down and down. Here's another question. I've always been afraid of going outside when it's dark, says Rebecca. But now that I'm moving into my own place for the first time, I need advice on how to beat this fear. As a wheelchair user, I constantly feel vulnerable and worried that I could easily be kidnapped or something. How do I make myself brave enough to leave my front door after dark? With love, Rebecca. Rebecca coming to the world's number one source for advice on going outside in the dark as a wheelchair user. Dear Hank and John. Well, yes, obviously, Hank, we're not qualified to answer any of these questions. You're also not an astronomer. (laughs) But that's a good point. I I do have advice here. Number one, like uh, bring your phone. I'm a big believer in accommodating fears, you know. Yeah, and share your. You can share your location with a friend or loved That's one. That's the other thing I was going to say. All the time, I do that. Share your location with a friend or loved one, or several. I have like three people who can find my location at any time, and so I have backups. Hank, it's like the, you know, like how there's the president and the vice president, and then the speaker of the house in case anything goes real, real south. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to check and see if I can see where you are right. It's now. very possible. I'll share my location with you. I, I definitely should. Thanks. Uh, but I have I, it, that is that's like way more intimate than giving someone a key to your house. <laughs> <laughs> I just wow. hung up on him. <laughs> that's weird. Sorry, sorry, I hung up on you. I was trying. Did you hang up on? Did you just hang up on me while you were yeah, trying to find I did. if I... I was trying to find your location? <laughs> so I'm in Indianapolis. Spoiler alert! But the other thing, but the other thing that I, I, so, so there are those, so there are those just functional things. But when it comes to the fear itself, like obviously, I'd encourage you to talk to a therapist or or some professional. Like Hank and I are not psychology professionals, but I can say one thing that works for me with fears, which is, oh my God, he did it again. All right. That's the last time you get to hang up on me. I'm sorry. I was in the middle of saying something important. I know. Just stop looking. You can figure it out after the podcast. I did it. Can you see me? I did it. No, but but you can see me now. Okay. So those are like practical things. But the other thing is that if you're concerned about it, I would really encourage you to talk to a therapist or a professional about it. Like Hank and I are not psychology professionals. I can tell you something that works for me, which is instead of 
denying the fear or saying like this is a silly, ridiculous fear, acknowledging the reality of the fear and that like Mm -hmm. the thing that you're afraid of is scary. It's just not likely. And that there's a difference between the size of Mm. the likelihood and the size of the scariness. And if I can be aware of that, I find it a little easier to keep from catastrophizing because like your fear is real. It's rational. And sometimes like I can get down on myself and feel like, oh, all of my fears are just like crazy and irrational. And the way they express themselves or like the size of them is often not rational. But the underlying fear, like, is real. It would be a huge bummer for me if Earth got hit by a comet, which I just found out is possible. We'd probably spot it. Like, it couldn't just happen right now, the way a gamma ray burst could. Oh, so I'd have, like, I'd have like a week notice? That's my dream, <laughs> is to have a week notice that everyone on Earth is going to well, die I, in the same I agree moment. that that would be bad. What I'm saying is, like, you don't have to worry about being obliterated right now, this very moment, by a comet. I would, Hank, that would be fine, Obviously, mm, I guess you're right. What I'm not afraid of being obliterated instantaneously without any warning by a comet. I'm literally afraid of warning. Well, if I if look, if I'm ever in a position where I know you're about to ble- be obliterated, I won't tell you. I don't know. Maybe maybe I maybe I want you to tell me actually now that you're putting it like that. Well, I don't want like important information kept from well, me. Well, if okay, if it's if it's more than a week, I'll tell you. If it's less than a week, I'll just let you live your life and we can play Fall Guys until the end. <laughs> I, I like how you're imagining that in this hypothetical scenario, you're the only person I speak to regularly. Like we're in No, a- no, no. No, no. I'm the only one who knows in this scenario. Oh, okay. Okay. You just yeah. So, I won't have a hint except that you're going to call me up and say, "Hey, I'm going to need you to play Fall Guys for the next 3 days nonstop." Oh, John, I'm coming to Indianapolis. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm on the next flight. I want to spend a little time with you and mom and dad. And uh, yeah. it's just because I love you. Yeah, no we're just going to play Fall Guys. No big deal. Like that's gonna... I'm going to beat that Spider-Man game if it's the last thing I do. And it may be. <laughs> it, it, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. That reminds me to, that today's podcast is brought to you by uh, Fall Guys. Fall Guys. It's apparently the thing Hank would do if he only had a Absolutely. few days to live. Yeah. He would just be uh-huh. like, shut it all down. It's time to play Fall Guys. This podcast is also brought to you by the the, the Plank and Reason. The Emily Dickinson's <laughs> Plank and Reason. If, Get it if, at Home Depot today. Oh, it's going to break. It's, it already <laughs> broke. <laughs> yeah. And of course, today's podcast is brought to you by Elon Musk's Rooster. We are all about to be Elon Musk's Rooster. And also this podcast is brought to you by Vice Presidents on the Moon. The Vice Presidents on the Moon, they disagree with each other about everything and have no power. I love I love the idea of like a House of Lords yeah. that's just the old vice presidents mm-hmm. and they meet every now and again and they they hubbub. They just they hubbub know. about stuff and then they issue statements. Yeah. Oh, oh to be a powerless royal. The, the dream. So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. 
So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free free, then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Dear Hank. ZocDoc dot com slash Dear Hank. This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion, that's a debt. I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. All right, Hank, let's do a thought experiment real quick. If we owned Twitter, first off, I would hate you so much if we still owned Twitter. If, like, we'd started Twitter and you made me still own Twitter, I would be so resentful. Yeah. That's the first thing. It would devastate our friendship <laughs> because every time be we talked over. on the phone, yeah. I would be like, how's the family? Also, more importantly, when can we sell Twitter? <laughs> Why are you forcing me? But imagine if we owned Twitter mm-hmm. and someone, anyone, came to us and said, we will give you a billion dollars, which is one forty-fourth of what the company is apparently <laughs> worth. And in exchange, you don't have to own I Twitter know. anymore. I know. <laughs> I, would, I would be like, oh, wait, how— I don't understand. <laughs> I thought I would pay you yeah, for that. It's privilege. like one of those situations where you you really have to like try and pretend like you're still negotiating. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Hank. I, that is the last time that we mention 
how much we don't want to own Twitter on the podcast. Okay. Today. Today. <laughs> look, look, 10 years from now, when when Twitter like doesn't matter anymore and is completely culturally irrelevant. Then I would then buy it. Then that's when Hank and John snap it up. I would buy it. Yes. And, and it's yes. just a sock sales platform. That's all it does. Absolutely. There's you're only allowed to tweet about the awesome socks club. Yeah. There is an Autobot that's been trained oh, by late stage artificial intelligence that if your if your tweet is not about the importance of <laughs> sock subscription <laughs> services that generate allowed, money yeah. for charity, uh-huh. it just gets deleted instantaneously. What? We, I feel like we could already do this with some uh, like already defunct. Where, like, could we go, get, ask Jeeves and name it like Ask Jeeves Socks? <laughs> ask Socks Jeeves. Ask Jeeves anything about the awesome socks club. <laughs> how much? How much could would it could it possibly cost to buy Ask Jeeves right now? You know how much it cost to buy MySpace like two years ago? <sighs> it was incredible. So first off, who do you think owns MySpace? If you had to guess who owns MySpace uh, today. Isn't it like some some like music company owned by Justin Timberlake or something weird? Okay, so it was first bought by Justin Timberlake for $35 million. Wow. And then in 2016, it was sold to Time, Time Inc. for $87 million. What? Now, I know what you're wondering, Hank. What? what? Oh, my God. What happened to MySpace between 2011 and 2016 that made it worth twice as much money? And the answer is... Nothing. That's horrifying. And then eventually, Time was bought by another media corporation and then spun off uh, to a holding company that then sold it to a related holding company. And so we don't know how much it's worth today. But the fact that in 2016, it was purportedly worth $87 million is 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 a shocker. Oh, boy. I mean, it's it's here. It's hanging out. What year? Can we buy MySpace for less than $1,000? Less than, I mean, because of inflation, probably never. Maybe in in 2200, you know, when after the collapse. Well, it won't be worth, it won't won't be meaningful then. (laughs) I love the idea of Hank and John crawling out of the rubble at the age of 78, you know, Post-apocalyptic. We're just like, I just want to. Like, I just want to keep goofing. Let's goof. Let's get MySpace and name it My Socks. <laughs> the first thing that we do is we connect one computer to another computer to make what is technically an internet. And then the first thing we do on this new internet is register inside of this new internet a web domain, MySpace.com, which redirects to the AwesomeSocks.club. <laughs> Look, there's always there's always another oh, goof. Oh God, I want our third act to be so weird. That's my biggest ambition. Like we've yeah. had a great, yeah. we've had a wonderful career. It's been beautiful, mm-hmm. but the only thing it hasn't been yet is as weird as we set out for it to be. It hasn't been truly, truly pure goofs. Right. We have well, we Which, we haven't com- you know, we haven't adequately committed to some of the goofs. Like yeah. there's a there's a world where our third act is literally running racks. Is <laughs> that like we go to racks? It's 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 it, like what it, would it take instead of visiting to bring racks, racks back? <laughs> we we decide to call Mr. Beast and say, "Listen, have we got an idea for you?" <laughs> it's like Mr. Beast Burger, but it's about my childhood. <laughs> 
I don't know if you've read Gatsby, Mr. Beast, but you can go back to the past. And we are going to get in our little rowboats and we are going to be just row and row and row until we can get back to Rax in 1987 in Orlando, Florida. Can you make this happen for us? And he'd be like, yes, with with 0.05% of my net worth, I can buy every Rax. Because I'm... I am now Jimmy, president of America, richest man in the universe. Yes, and we'll be like, thank you, God King Jimmy. <laughs> it does seem to be where the arrow's pointing. And then, and then on, and then on our way out, we will uh, ceremoniously bow to the corpse of Elon Musk in the uh, antechamber. Of right. God, God King Jimmy's office, mm-hmm. and uh, then we will retire happily <laughs> to Rax management. Right. Yes, but in order to leave the antechamber, you do have to walk past eight million roosters, <laughs> and they're all very loud. The only way, the only way to like ask a question directly of God King Jimmy, mm-hmm. is. To run a rooster obstacle course where you have to run right. through 8 million roosters and anyone mm-hmm. who can make it to the door gets to ask for one thing. And most people ask for a billion dollars or yeah. they ask to live forever or they ask uh-huh. for a beautiful uh-huh. spouse. And we ask for six raxes. <laughs> but if you don't make it, the roosters are very hungry. Well, they haven't eaten in years anything other than human flesh. No. (laughs) Very spooky episode of Dear Hank and John this Halloween. (laughs) This is my favorite one we've ever done. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. Before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC, I have no idea how long we've been recording. I have no idea what's happening. Yeah. I tried to look up at how long we've been recording the podcast, but unfortunately, you've hung up on me so many times, I have no idea. <laughs> it's time to move on to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. I'll go first because I have good news. So I went to AFC Wimbledon's game. I got to see Plow Lane. My kids got to see Plow Lane. It was incredible. It was I mean, the fact it's an amazing stadium. It really is. Like, especially compared to Kings Meadow, it's just incredible what has been built. It is a world class stadium. It seats 9,000 people. It was packed. It was packed. I saw the pictures. It it was a sellout. And uh, and, and it it was just an awesome experience. Um, Going to the pub was amazing. The food was really, really good. It was just awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I cannot, if you live in London or go to London, I, I really recommend going to Plow Lane. You'll have a great time. Tell people that you're a nerd fighter and you'll have an awesome time. Hmm. We lost that game. We mm-hmm. lost one nil. We played horribly. Uh, <laughs> it was terrible. Um, Alice just, uh, yesterday, Alice and I went to see the our local college butler, their women's soccer team play. And uh Afterwards, I was like, how does that compare to the AFC Wimbledon game? And Alice said, oh, those girls are much better. <laughs> and they certainly keep it on the ground more. Uh, it, 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 was a, it, it was not a good performance, is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Even so, at the end of the game, at the end of the AFC Wimbledon game, and like getting to see Plow Lane and knowing that you know those players had signed her birthday cards since she was two years old, Alice looked at me and she said, that was amazing. And it really was. 
but unfortunately we lost. And uh, however, our next game we won. It was a big day. It was a big game against Rochdale or possibly Rochdale. Nobody knows for sure. And they're at the bottom of the table. We're a little closer to the bottom of the table than I would like for the fourth tier of English football. Mm-hmm. And we really needed to win that game. And we won 2-1 goals from Ayub Basal and James Davison and looked pretty good. I mean, not great, mm-hmm. but looked steadier. So, uh, Well, when you weren't you know, here, John, uh, we had Mark Watson on. Yeah. And, uh, and he's a big follower of a not great football club. Uh, mm. That is, I think, a tier or two ahead of AFC Wimbledon. Um, sure, but, uh, but but he looked at he looked at your situation. And he was like, "Ah, oh, they're they're doing great. That's great. They're fine." I, yeah, so I that's how he felt. I'm glad that he feels that way. It it is critically important not to get relegated out of League Two uh, because yes. there's only two relegation spots. It's so hard to get back up. It's the bottom yeah. tier of professional football like full-time professional football. So like it's really really important. So I I'm sympathetic to Wimbledon fans who are really really scared because mm-hmm. it would be so bad. Um we have a lot of debt. It would be really bad. So Yeah. I agree that we're probably fine, but I would rather be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to so, win some games. Yeah, it's a tough situation and I I I think a lot of fans feel like we're running up against some of the inherent challenges of fan ownership. And that's a really interesting, right. complicated, difficult time. For me, mm-hmm. fan ownership is essential to what AFC Wimbledon is. But that's also easy for me to say when, um, you know, I don't have to go watch us lose every week. Yep. What's the news from Mars? Well, uh, NASA wants to save money. By crashing into Mars, the idea involves a device called SHIELD, which stands for Simplified High Impact Energy Landing Device. It looks like a collapsible upside-down pyramid. It would absorb the energy from a hard impact on Mars. And if SHIELD works, it would make landing on Mars way cheaper, possibly open up a a bunch of uh, landing sites for future missions. The idea is that you land your craft on Mars by just crashing it into Mars. Now, it's not going to work for a number of different kinds of uh, things, but for some, maybe it will. The design is based on NASA's Mars Sample Return Campaign, which involves future spacecraft crash landing on Earth with samples from Mars. Scientists want to see if they could use the same idea, but in reverse, with a shield system that would protect uh, all the necessary electronics during landing. And they tested a full-size prototype made out of metal rings set up in an inverted pyramid shape. By taking it out to a 90-foot drop tower that has a launch system that can send things to the ground at the same speed that they would hit Mars at, which is around 110 miles per hour because of atmospheric drag slowing it down uh, from the initial speed of 14,000 miles per hour. And they used the drop tower uh, to launch into a two-inch thick steel plate just to put it through conditions that would be harder than crashing on actual Mars, which is softer than a steel plate. And it worked. Using a high-speed camera, scientists were able to see that the impact... uh, it hit the shield at a slight angle. It bounced three and a half feet into the air, and then it flipped over. The bounce was probably caused by the steel plate because it didn't happen in other tests that used dirt instead of a steel plate. Importantly, shield was able to protect the electronic devices on board the prototype, including a smartphone. So if your if your iPhone can survive it, then a Mars probe can survive it too. Wow. So 
we're just going to crash stuff onto Mars. No, no need to worry about landing. It it saves so much weight and yeah. so much worry if you could just just hit it like a bullet. Wow, that's fascinating. It is. So I'll, it would it would be a way to get rid of the parachute, get rid of the you know. All retro that. rockets get rid of all the like sequence of which is a lot of the yeah a lot of the weight it's a lot of the weight it's also a lot of the worry and it's a lot of the uh engineering mm. that you need to do yeah cool yeah it's awesome nasa blows my mind nasa's pretty great uh well hank thank you for potting with me thanks to everybody for listening and for your questions you can email us questions at dear hank and john and of course uh most of all thank you to our god kings whoever they may currently be <laughs> Uh, for their grace and and beneficence. <laughs> or in the future. Also, for future God Kings, we also appreciate you. We love you, and all we ask, God Kings of the future, is... I just want to be able to sell my socks. Just let me sell my socks. That's all I want to do anymore. I, I don't need to do that. Um, I, 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 or go, God, Hank, what, watch. What? Go, what? Go. I, I want to apologize to the future God Queen for... Speaking of God Kings. <laughs> yeah, you, we, we got in a, really got ourselves in a lot of trouble here, didn't we? Massive mistake. <laughs> she's gonna send us she's gonna send us to Iceland. <laughs> Hooray! Go snakes! No, John, we're ending up we're gonna be on the moon with the vice presidents and you know it. Oh god. That's tr- uh, truly my nightmare. <laughs> Just living on the moon with Dan Quayle. This <laughs> is close <laughs> to hell as I can imagine. It's an honor, God Queen, to be on the moon for you. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for not separating my head from my body. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Brooke Shotwell. All of these people are really they have to they have to deal with our bull. I'm grateful to them. They have to deal with our BS, and they, we're very grateful to them. Yes. Don't curse, Hank. Thanks. That creates more work for Tuna. It's true. <laughs> our editorial assistant is Tabuki Trucker The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't forget to, to be, be awesome. awesome.